I started this series last week with it being the beginning of the year. I just thought it was a good time for us to kind of reset our faith, if you will. I think sometimes it's very easy for our faith to grow stale and for us to quit doing what we used to do. And when you quit doing what you used to do, what happens is, is your relationship with Christ can just very quickly in itself go stale. And so we're talking about just some basic principles throughout this series. They're not going to be long messages. Some of you were shocked last week we were out of here in about 30 minutes. We're going to be short again today. And I just want to just kind of reiterate some things to you. I I could get up here and give you hour-long messages and beat you over the head about these topics, but the reality is we already know these topics. We just kind of forget about these topics. We forget about the discipline and the importance of these topics. And I think next to eternal life, the greatest gift that Christ has given us, 100% is the gift to be able to communicate one-on-one with him. I I mean, think about that for a second. I get to communicate with the creator of the universe. I get to go to him With my praises, I get to go to him with my fears. I get to go to him with my needs. I get to go to him with my concerns. I I get to go to him when my faith is lacking. I get to go one-on-one. I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to go to a monk. I don't have to go to a preacher. I, I don't have to go to someone who's deeper in their faith than me. I simply get to go 24-7, 365 days a year, and I get to communicate with God. That's amazing to me. Matter of fact, if you really step back and you think about it for a second, it's mind-blowing. I I think it's one of those things that we've heard about prayer for so long. Even those who aren't Christians or maybe not even religious understand the principle of prayer. We see people on TV praying. We come to church and they pray during the service. And, And I think we hear so much about prayer from such a young age that maybe we lose the awe, if you will, in the principle of prayer. That you and I, no matter where we're at, no matter what condition we're in, anytime, anywhere about anything, we get to communicate with God. It really is an amazing thing. And while we have this amazing gift called prayer, I venture to say that one of the weakest areas in most Christ followers' lives is their prayer life. (laughs) With only a few exceptions, I would venture to say that there's two groups of people when it comes to prayer, and I'm going to be real honest with you that I fall at different times in both of these categories. There are those whose prayer life is non-existent, and then there's those whose prayer life just simply sucks. You pray, but it's routine. It's going through the motions. You pray and you feel like it hits that ceiling and bounces right back to you. You pray out of duty, out of obligation, 
instead of out of wonder and privilege that we get to go to God. And again, I think the problem is, is we just forget how powerful and we forget about the magnitude of this gift of prayer. Last week, we talked about the magnitude and the gift of this book and how we ought to be in this book. And I love, as some of you were walking in today, sharing with me how you downloaded the Version app and you were sharing with me different Bible verses and different parts of the Bible you were reading. And man, it's amazing how powerful this book is. That's the reason we're resetting, if you will. Today I want to talk to you about resetting your prayer life. And and I struggled, I I don't know that I struggled with this message, but I came up with three or four different areas that I wanted to go in as it pertained to prayer. I, I wanted to do something really basic, if you will, and I thought, man, we don't need to do a basic message on prayer, because at the end of the day, if we're all to be honest, we understand the, the basic principles of prayer. We communicate with God. So I went back to an old message that I preached two or three times here over the 10 years that we've been in existence. It was kind of going along with my personal time of reading in the Bible. I was reading through this portion of Scripture. And instead of giving you the basics, if you will, of prayer today, I want to challenge you in the awesomeness of prayer today. We've taken prayer, if we do pray, and we've turned it into these cheesy, cliche things that don't move us, so why would they move God? (laughs) Today, I just want to show you how powerful prayer can be. I want to take you, and there's so many stories in the Word of God I could have used, but this story is literally my favorite story when it comes to prayer and showing the magnitude and how audacious, if you will, we can become with our prayer life. We'll be hanging out in the book of Joshua, and let me give you a little bit of background here. The Israelites have been enslaved to the Egyptians. God calls a man named Moses to set the Israelites free from the Egyptians And he sets them free, and he has a place called the Promised Land, a a, a land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible says, for the Israelites. And from Egypt to this land is about a 40-day journey through the wilderness because of the Israelites' sin, because of their selfishness, because of their taking their focus off God. That 40-day journey, if you read throughout the Old Testament, became a 40-year journey. And we're like, man, that's mind-blowing. No, it's not, because there's been times in all of our lives we've wandered through the wilderness. <laughs> but there's been times that every one of us had the simple, easy route, and we took the long, hard route. Finally, they get to the point where it's time to go into the land, and something drastic happens. Moses, the man who God had called to lead them out of slavery... And into the promised land, right before they're to take the promised land, Moses dies. In his place, God appoints a man named Joshua. And Joshua takes over the helm of leadership. And he will become the one who leads the children of Israel into the promised land. I I, I love that story, and this isn't my message today. But I I think that's amazing. It, It shows that God's vision... It's not about a man. Moses died. God's vision did not die. 
Moses' time on earth was over and God had somebody else ready to step in, God will always have somebody ready to step in to fulfill his purposes. I remember when Billy Graham passed away, and everybody's like, oh my God, who's going to become America's preacher? Like God was surprised that Billy Graham died. Billy Graham was awesome, and God used him to do great things, and now God is using men all over the country to do great things. But Moses dies. Joshua takes over. And now it's time to claim the promised land, but here's the problem. There's already people living in this land. So in order to take the land that God has promised them, they had to go defeat the ones that are currently living in the land. And the first country they defeated was Jericho. You know, the walls of Jericho, they marched around the walls. The walls fell. God gave them victory. It was incredible. Matter of fact, they defeated Jericho in such incredible and convincing fashion. They were so dominant in defeating Jericho that word began to spread about the Israelites and how powerful they had become in the wilderness. And the countries began to be fearful as the Israelites rolled in. After defeating some series, the, the Israelites, and through some different circumstances, they now find themselves having to conquer a group of people called the Amorites. When they go into battle with the Amorites, they begin to defeat the Amorites pretty quickly. You know why they begin to defeat the Amorites? Because God had promised they were going to defeat the Amorites. When God promises something, you can take it to the bank. God had promised them this land. It might have taken them 40 years to get there, but God is an on-time God. He delivers in his timing and not our timing. God delivers when he thinks we're ready. Hello, not when we think we're ready. And they begin to defeat the Amorites. I mean, there's just so much preaching in here. You can just go do a whole series in different messages. Yet as they are defeating the Amorites, they encounter a problem. They're in the middle of the battle. And suddenly it begins to get dark. You know why it begins to get dark? Because it gets dark every day. The sun is only in the sky for a certain amount of time. The sun goes down and daytime becomes nighttime. And this was a problem that Joshua knew. Joshua was a phenomenal tactical leader. He knew that once it became dark, the advantage moved from the Israelites to the Amorites. The Amorites knew the land. The Israelites did not know the land. He knew that if it became dark and the sun went down, that the Amorites would be able to move throughout the night and possibly overthrow the Israelites, or the Amorites would be able to flee because, again, they knew the nooks and crannies of the land. The Israelites did not know them. I was talking to someone recently, and they were talking about the land back behind the church. They grew up in this area, and they were telling me that there's trails behind this church that will take you all the way to Cartersville, all the way to Waleska, all the way to Marietta through the woods. I had no idea. But somebody grew up back there. They grew up riding those trails with their dirt bikes and their three-wheelers and their four-wheelers and their bicycles, and they knew all the trails everywhere they go. The conspiracy guy and me liked that because when we have to hunker down here at the end of the world. It'd be nice to know we got trails that can get us everywhere as we conquer Cherokee County. But the Amorites, if the sun went down, Joshua knew that the tide would turn 
from the Israelites having the advantage to the Amorites having the advantage. He knew that in order to defeat the, 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 the Amorites, he had to defeat the Amorites before the sun went down, and yet time was ticking away. So Joshua does something crazy. It might not seem crazy to you, but it seems pretty freaking crazy to me. He stands in front of all the Israelites, all the people that he's leading, and he begins to pray to God. That was not what was crazy. It's what he begins to pray that was crazy. He doesn't pray a safe prayer. He doesn't pray a simple prayer. He doesn't pray a cliche prayer. God, oh God, just give us victory. You know why he didn't pray that prayer? Because victory had already been promised. Some of you waste your time praying for things that have already been taken care of. Someone told me the other day, they said, I'm praying about sharing my faith with a co-worker. You don't got to pray about that. God tells you to do it. So they tell me, I said, I'm praying about starting to give financially back to God. Let me go ahead and light you on something. You don't got to pray about that. God commands you to do it. He's not a God of suggestions. What really we have done is we have allowed prayer to become a cop-out, a crutch, and an excuse. Joshua didn't need to stand in front of the Israelites and pray for victory. He had already been promised victory. He stood in front of the Israelites, though, because he knew that in order for them to have the victory they needed to have when they needed to have it, God had to do something drastic. And Joshua, being the tactician that he was and the military mind that he was, he threw out an audacious prayer to God. He threw out a prayer to God that if God did not answer it, Joshua was going to look real stupid. Joshua was going to look Real dumb. He threw out a prayer that most of us would not have the testicular fortitude to pray because we want to pray safe prayers. My pet peeve is when school starts every year and I see pastors all over the country or I see Christians all over the country start praying on Facebook. Just pray that God keeps our children safe. I never pray for God to keep your children safe. I never pray for God to keep my children safe. God never promised us safety. I pray for God to help our children be warriors and bold and strong and world changers in their faith. And that means they're put in situations where they're not always safe, but they're changing the world for the gospel. That's the type of prayers we ought to be praying. We want safety, and God never promised safety. Tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that God promised safety as they're sitting in a fiery furnace. Tell Daniel that God promised safety as he's sitting in a lion's den. Tell Christ God promised safety as he's hanging on a cross. There's nothing safe. That's the North American mindset of what we've turned church in and what we've turned God into. God never promised safety. The will of God is not a safe place, but it's the greatest place. But we want comfort and safety. And none of that had anything to do with my message today, but you needed to hear that today. 
He prays an audacious prayer, a huge prayer. He, he prays a boss prayer, if you will. He prays a big prayer. Most of the time, I got to be honest, I prayed some big things in my life. But when I throw up them big prayers, I kind of do them privately. That way, if they don't happen, I don't feel like I look real stupid. Just being honest. Joshua stood in front of all the people and prayed a big prayer. I I don't want to look foolish. But Joshua says, man... I'm going to brace something crazy because it's what we need to happen in order to gain the victory. You say, what do you pray, Gary? Well, I'm glad you asked. Joshua 10, verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon over the valley. Say, what? Here's what Joshua did. He knew that if it got dark, they would lose the advantage. So he prayed to God. Think about this for a minute. God, can you just freeze the sun? Freeze the moon? I need a little more daylight. God, I got victory that you promised within our grasp. But if it gets dark, we're going to lose some good men. I know you're still going to bring about victory, Lord, but but they're going to get the advantage temporarily. God, that's just what I need. I need you to freeze the sun for a few minutes. That's, uh, That's big ball praying. That's big faith prayers. That's understanding that you serve a supernatural God who does supernatural things and is waiting for his children to have the faith to ask him to do those type of things. I think God gets bored with our prayers. I do. I think God just rolls our eyes at the simplicity and the routine of our prayers. Joshua said, son, stand still. And look what happened, verse 13. So the sun stood still. Big prayers get big answers. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and it delayed going down a full day. Golly, if you're missing the awesomeness of that, I don't know what to tell you. If that doesn't make you realize how small your prayer life is, Scratch that because I don't want to preach at you today. I want to preach with you. If that doesn't make you realize how small our prayer life is, Son, stand still. And it did. Because one man had the faith to ask God to move big on behalf of an entire nation. 
Maybe we don't see a move of God anymore because we don't have a move of God in our prayer life. We don't believe that we serve a God who can stand the sun still anymore. We don't believe we serve a God who can freeze the moon anymore. We've compartmentalized God. We've folded him up nice and neat and put him in a box and we think he's good when we ask him to bless our food to the nourishment of our body. We think he's a safe God when we're like, God, just keep us safe. We wait to the last minute. We think he's an emergency 911. God, I was lazy all month. Can't pay my bills. But God, I need you to come through all of a sudden. I want to challenge you this year, not in the area of prayer, because I believe you're a praying group of people. I want to challenge you this year on the awesomeness of your prayers. I want to challenge you on the bigness of your prayers. I want to challenge you on the faith of your prayers. Hey, God, I know you you got a pattern. You got this whole daytime, nighttime thing figured out, and there's a point to it and a purpose to it. God, I understand that when the sun's up here, it's down over there, and when it's down over there, it's up over here, but I need you to freeze the sun just long enough for us to do what you called us to do. (laughs) Verse 14, the Bible says, There's never been a day like it before. Our sense. So you know what that does? Everyone who says, oh, it was just the time of year when eclipses happen, that eliminates that. This wasn't an every hundred year extra couple hours of daytime moment. This wasn't an every 150 years an eclipse comes over the sun and it gets dark in the middle of the day and we gather downtown to watch it and think how cool it is. This is one man with huge faith asking huge things from a huge God and a huge God delivering in a huge way. There's never been a day like it before since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Can I tell you today we serve a God? The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God that Joshua served. He'll answer our prayers if we ask in a boldness and it's a way that he feels they need to be answered. God's in the the miracle business. Why don't we see a move of God anymore because we don't pray like God moves? We're safe and we're complacent. And we're comfortable. If we get to gather together, we get to gather together. We don't gather together for five or six weeks. Oh, we're fine with that too. We'll just stay from the comfort of our home. Oh, no, 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 no. We serve a big God who wants to do big things. And he's waiting for his people to get back to realizing the problem is we've made God our buddy. He's no longer the Alpha and Omega. He's he's JC. Yo, God, what's up? He ain't your buddy. He ain't your friend. He ain't looking to high-five you. He is the creator of the universe. He spoke everything out of nothing. 
Saw some preacher the other day, he's like, when I die, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to high five God. No, you're not. You're going to fall on your face, and you're going to worship the creator of the universe because you're going to be speechless to be in his presence. We've allowed Hollywood and books and fiction to diminish the power of God. He's a God who makes the sun stand still. He's a God who wants to do amazing things, but the church is too busy majoring on the minors. The church is too busy fighting over stupid stuff. Saw a post the other day from a pastor friend of mine on the subject of speaking in tongues. He made a comment about speaking in tongues. I've never seen this. Like I have created some controversy on Facebook in my life. And I have never seen a post come close to what this guy did. 17,000 comments was the last time I saw it. People arguing whether you could speak in tongues or not speak in tongues. An issue the church has been arguing about since the beginning of time and no one's going to convince anybody. And at the end of the day, what does it matter if you can or you can't? We'll find out when we get to heaven. Don't matter one hill of beans. What's in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. You're majoring on the minors. The world around us dies and goes to hell because they see the church so insider focused they can't even get along with themselves. Man, sun, stand still. That's a prayer. That's a big prayer. For a big God. I am convinced with everything that is in me as we reset this year that we need to get back to remembering that big prayers move a big God. Joshua saw a need. It was not a selfish need. Do not miss the heart behind the prayer. He saw a need and he prayed and he asked God what he needed and look what happened. God answered. I want to talk to you today on sun stand still prayers. I want to show you some characteristics of sunstand still prayers. I'm not talking about the little wimpy, God is great, God is good, let us bless him, or may he bless, or whatever the crap it is that we grew up saying. I'm talking about prayers that we believe so much in. That we know our lives depend on it or the lives of others depend on it. That we call out to God believing and knowing that when he decides to move on our behalf, it's going to be life-changing for us. I'm talking about prayers that are so intense that if you feel the need to fast, someone asked me the other day about fasting. Fasting's real, real simple. It's going without food and replacing it with prayer. Let me go ahead and tell you about something else, the church. Let me just get on my hobby horse again today. I lied to you. We're not getting out of here in 30 minutes. The church has minimized fasting. The word fasting means to abstain from food. I'm fasting from television right now. You're not fasting biblically prayer fasting. It is depriving ourselves of nourishment So when the hunger kicks in, we call out to God. We ask God, when someone asked me, they said, my daughter is out of control and I'm thinking about fasting over. I said, they said, how long do you think I should fast? I said, fast as long as it takes. When God tells you to quit, you quit. 
Before I moved to Canton, I'm 45, 28. What's 45 subtract 28? 17, God, Tom, you're good. 17 years ago, I moved here. I knew that God called me here, and God called me to fast before I moved here. I fasted for 39 straight days. My goal was to go 40, but I knew if I went 40 like Jesus did, I'd get real cocky and real arrogant about going 40. So I ended it at 39. 39 days. Didn't tell anybody I was fasting. I remember seeing my mom about day 25, and she was like, have you been tested lately? I'm like, tested for what? Ah, you look like you have cancer. I said, I like I have cancer. I'd lost so much weight. But I believe, and I'm not, hear my hardness. I'm not saying I've done anything spectacular here in the 17 years I've been here. But I have no doubt anything that I've accomplished here in 17 years was a direct result of that 39. You say you went 39 days without food, 39 days without food. You'll be amazed what your body can do. I'm not telling you to go fast 39 days, so let me make that clear. I've never in 17 years made it more than three days since that 39 days. Never felt the need to. When I have fasted, I, I fasted because I felt God told me to fast. I fasted over the subject. I didn't always get the answer I wanted. I always didn't get the answer, but sometimes I felt released from the fasting part of it. But I'm talking about huge prayers. Prayers like eternity hangs in the balance. Prayers like you believe God is going to move on your behalf. I, I'm talking about prayers today that are so big that the only way they could be answered is if God moves in our midst. I'm talking, when was the last time you prayed a prayer so big that if God didn't show up, you knew you were going to look real foolish? I'm talking about sun stand still, sun, sun stand still prayers. I, I believe God sees our half-hearted prayers and it breaks his heart because he looks down and sees his children who don't realize the power that he has. That they don't realize that God wants to move on our behalf. Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, and God answered it. Think about that for a minute. I, I think as your pastor, I've been the pastor here now 10 years, I like to think that I've built up a little bit of stock. I've been there for some of you in your darkest hours, your darkest days. I, I like to think you got a, it might be a short leash, but you got a leash on me. You've given me a little bit of leadway to do some crazy things. But I like to think as much as you trust me, and as much as I've built up that trust, if I stood up here and started praying, God, make the sun stand still. The reality is you think I was crazy. Rightfully so. You'd think I was out of my mind. Gary finally lost it. <laughs> you'd think it's a crazy prayer. You know why you'd think it's a crazy prayer? Because it is. <laughs> but it's a big prayer. When was the last time you prayed a prayer like that? A prayer so large 
A prayer so crazy that sometimes even as you prayed it, all you could do was laugh. But you knew God called you to pray it. When was the last time you called out to God begging Him to do something huge? <laughs> met with a guy that recently he was pulling through the parking lot. He worked for the city. And he began to talk about the fact that the property was for sale. What are you guys going to do? Shut down? I said, are you an idiot? That's what I asked. I said, are you an idiot? Well, what do you mean? I said, I'm praying some big things right now. What are you praying? I'm not ready to share those things. I said, I'm praying this, this, and this. He started laughing. Of course you are. And, and at first, I got to be honest with you, when he started laughing, I got pissed. I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to punch him in his face, actually. Because I know he would love nothing more than for us to shut our doors and go away because I know some things that he doesn't know that I know. But then I got to thinking about it. And I liked that he was laughing. I liked that he thought it was a crazy prayer. I always want to be a church that's believing huge things. I think we've proven we'll never be a church that plays it safe. We started this church for the least of these to meet Jesus. We are never been concerned about location. If we have to move, guess what? We'll move. If we have to meet under a tent. We'll, I, I, I got to be careful actually what I say to you. Because I started joking about a tent. And then we had a new family come up to me. Been going here for a few months. She said, hey, you know, my, my father used to be a traveling evangelist. He's got a tent that holds 300 people we can use anytime. I said, oh, got to be careful. I mean, I, we'll mean the tent, but I got to be honest with you, I don't want to mean the tent. I was like, crap. I wonder if God got mistaken, thought I was praying that bad. I said, check my prayers. Not worried about location. Not worried about convenience. In case you didn't know it, this ain't the greatest location. In case you didn't know it, this ain't the greatest building. Walk around it one day with the lights on. Man, big prayers. Gary, do you worry about this? I don't. Because I know God's going to answer them. If you think this is the vision of Action Church, you're sadly mistaken. This is just where we're at in the vision. Someone told me the other day, man, I told them straight up and they haven't been back. I like this church. I don't want to go to a big church. I said, well, man, you're going to hate heaven. What? There's going to be a lot of people there. Well, how big do you want to get? I said, I, I don't think about getting big, but I want to get as big as God wants it to get. I think I'm going to turn people. Oh, we hit 300 on a Sunday. Sorry, 301. You got to go. go away. It's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Big vision, big prayers. So, Gary, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. And we'll give you real quickly how we pray those big prayers. Because it's laid out right here. Sun stand still prayers or bold prayers? They're bold prayers. I said it more than once. Let me say it again. He prayed for the freaking sun to stand still. 
That's bold. It doesn't get much bolder than that. Not only did he pray it, it worked. It's insane, actually. God, we're fighting these jokers. It's getting dark. I need the sun to stand still. Not only did he pray the bold prayer, he prayed it in front of everybody. What would have happened to the people trusting his leadership had the sun went down like it does every other day? Joshua wasn't worried about that. The boldness of this prayer, I believe, blew God away. When was the last time you prayed something so bold? Literally, this is our prayer. Let's be honest. Lord, thank you. If we pray in the morning, Lord, just keep me safe today. We sit down to eat. Lord, bless this food that nourishes our body. At night, Lord, just forgive me of my sins today. Tired, recycled prayers. And we wonder why God's not moving in our life. God, bless the food that nourishes my body. God, bless this triple cheeseburger covered in chili and these chili cheese fries and this milkshake that I know we're going to keep a blessing to the nourishment of my body. God. Idiots. You know what else kills me about when we pray? I love this prayer. I love, I love when we pray something. And then we throw this in there. Your will be done. Thanks for giving him permission. Guess what? His will is going to be done whether you pray it or not. God, I sure am glad you gave me permission with that. If we prayed bold prayers, we approached him like he's the... I want you to think about this for a minute. We serve a creative God. He took nothing and formed this. I got a pretty big imagination. I've been taking these natural things. What are they, babe? Magnesium pills or something. Doesn't sound natural. To sleep at night. And I've been sleeping. But I've been having the craziest dreams on these. And the problem is I'm sleeping, but my dreams are so crazy vivid that I wake up exhausted. I dreamed the other day that me and Bubba were offensive linemen in the NFL. I'm talking about I went through a whole 17-game season in my dream. I woke up sweating. I had some horrible, dirty dream the other day. I can't tell you about it. I told Christine, I was like, it wasn't dirty about someone else. But I was like, you wouldn't believe this dream I had. I was like a rock star in the world because of this certain thing. She's like, yeah, that was a dream. <laughs> oh, did I tell you about it? Oh, yeah. That was a crazy dream. Craziness. I'm, what I'm saying is I got a crazy imagination. Yet God created all this out of nothing. The moon and the stars, the days and the night, the land and the water, and the animals, and us. You think you're going to shock God 
with your big prayers, he's a big vision God. He's waiting for boldness. He's the creator of the universe. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I'll answer you. I'll tell you great and unsearchable things. You know, you know what he's saying? He said, come to me with your big prayers and I'm going to take them whole nother level. He said, I'm going to show you things that you didn't even know existed. He said, you're praying for this, and I'm going to give you this. Bold prayers. When was the last time you prayed bold prayers over your career? When was the last time you prayed bold prayers over your children? When was the last time you prayed bold prayers over your marriage? When was the last time you prayed bold prayers over your finances? Bold prayers. I've told you all this for years. I used to hear preachers, I used to go to these church conferences, and preachers get them and say, what you need to do is pray that God will send you a millionaire. I said, well, if I send you a millionaire, then i got to keep the millionaire happy. I said, well, I just started praying, God, make me a millionaire. I know I'll fund his work. So you believe it? Like, oh, I pray it all the time. God put me in this position, this position, this position. Where I can advance your work. Bold prayers. Huh. I told you, people ask say all the time, why don't we have a move of God anymore? Like in the Bible. Because we don't pray like they did in the Bible. I preach a message, I haven't preached it here in a while, called The Rainmaker. I need to go back and show you that message. Man, it's a powerful message. God does amazing things when we pray big things. 1 John 5, 14 says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, see, you don't got to ask for his will to be done, just go to him according to his will. He hears us. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's approach his throne with confidence, not timidly, not afraid. Go to him with boldness because he's a bold God who wants bold followers to believe him for bold things. Sun stand still prayers are not only bold prayers, they are clear prayers. They're clear prayers. You say, what do you mean? They're clear, they're concise, they don't beat around the bush. I'm convinced the generality of our prayers hurts our prayer life. When was the last time you prayed a bold prayer for your marriage instead of just saying, Lord, I pray for my marriage? What do you pray for your marriage? Lord, I pray for the communication in my marriage. I pray for the vision in my marriage. Lord, I pray for the health in my... Lord, Lord, I pray for my children. No, 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 I pray specific prayers for my children. Lord, I already pray for my children's future spouses. Because God knows they need it. They're going to be married to my kids. I already pray for the specific... Direction they'll go in their life. I pray specific and clear things. 
Christine and I set some financial goals the other day of how much money we want to have in the bank account by the end of this year. I don't go to God and say, God, I pray for my family. I go to God and say, God, I pray that you put me in a position to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And Lord, at the end of the year, I have this in our account. Specific prayers. Well, if he don't answer, he don't answer then. But guess what? He's not going to answer if I don't ask. His will will be done. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not naming and claiming it. I pray specific prayers. Generic prayers we throw up with no heart. No plan in them. No thought in them. They're just thrown up casually. You've heard me say this before. I said the most sincere prayers that most of us have ever prayed is when we're hung over and we're hugging the commode after an all-night drinking. Those are sincere prayers. Dear God, I will never drink again. Just get me through this. I'm talking about tears running down your face. You never knew a porcelain pea-infested commode could feel so good. (coughs) And you're begging God. They're clear prayers. God, get me through this situation. We laugh about it, but it's true. What if we approached all of our prayers with that urgency and that clarity? Man, Joshua could have prayed like us. You know what Joshua could have said? Nothing wrong. Lord, just give us victory. Lord, let us win. He was specific in how he needed God to move. And God listened. This is an area where God stretches me because I can get in the routine of just throwing up generic prayers. I'm learning to pray specific. Specific things. Your marriage, your children, your finances, your career, your goals, your friends, your church. You ought to be praying specific things for this church. Heard the other day someone said, I'll be back at that church when Gary's gone. Cool. So guess what I know they're praying? That I'll get gone. So you feel about that? I don't feel nothing about it. I can't control how they pray. I hope I got a group of people here that are praying just as clear prayers that God bless this church while Gary's here. But if I get gone and they come back, more power to them. They're gone. I know. I ain't going nowhere. No one else will have me. I love you guys, but no one else will have y'all either. So we're just kind of stuck to get like an arranged marriage. Someone told me, they said, well, David, David, you think David is going to stay in, in Canton every weekend? He's only here like 15 weeks out of the year now. He's got cabins he's got to go to and beaches he's got to go to and cruises and traveling. He ain't taking this place. You're stuck with me. Clear prayers. Pray specific prayers. Last thing, and we're going to be done. Bold prayers, clear prayers. Don't miss this. This is where some of you screw up. Sun stand still prayers require action. Faith does not negate action. 
James 2.17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to have $50,000 in the account at the end of the year. You think you're just going to sit back on your butt and God's going to write you a check from the first bank of heaven? That ain't how it works. God, I pray that my children grow up and they find the right spouse. But yet, you think if you don't show them how to find the right spouse and they don't see your marriage the way it should be, they're going to do that? They're going to follow your path. Literally had someone the other day tell me, outside this building, guy who struggled for years, lived in the woods for years, praying God would... I'm praying I can quit drinking as he's drinking a beer. I said, you think God's just going to boom, take that urge away? So how about you quit going to places where there's alcohol? Seems drastic. Well, might be a day you can get around it, but right now you can't. Action. We have become a lazy society, and Christians have become lazy because of prayer. Just going to pray about it. All right. Praying for something doesn't mean you stop dead in your tracks when it comes to the issue. Joshua had trained men ready to attack. Don't miss this. He didn't pray for God to leave the sun up where they could just sit back and do nothing. He prayed the prayer where they could take action and defeat the Amorites and get victory over the country. He prayed, then action. We treat God like he's a genie in a bottle. Rubbing and he comes out, Lord, give me this job. Literally, literally some of the day told me, man, trying to get a new job. I said, man, where are you applying? Well, I ain't started that part yet. Well, then you're not trying to get a new job. You think it's just going to fall down from heaven? Not how it works. Hate to burst your bubble. Some of the other day told me, man, I've been praying for God to bring in some more money in my life because I need more money to live and I'm not making my budget. And he said, man, God don't seem to be answering the prayers. And then a few minutes later, he, I said, man, what's wrong with you? I'm just wore out. I said, what are you wore out from? Last six weeks, man, I had 20 hours overtime every week. I said, wait, wait a minute. I said, you've had 20 hours overtime the last six weeks? Yeah. I said, so you're making more money? Yeah. I said, oh, so God's answering the prayers that you don't think he's answering? Oh. God answered the prayer. He just got to work for it. Lazy people, man. He didn't pray for God to keep the sun up where the soldiers could sit back playing poker in the tent. Pray for the sun to step where they could take action and go to war. God provides as we put in the work. Need more money? A lot of times you don't even got a money issue. You got a spending issue. Broke people, kill me. I got money for energy drinks. 
money for, listen, I, I, I'm not preaching against anything to each their own, and I know this is a sensitive subject in this church. But I was in line the other day as someone bought a pack of cigarettes. Holy smokes, they're expensive. Like expensive, expensive. Like I was taken back expensive. But you got money for that? Got money for lottery tickets? Had someone stop here the other day and ask if we'd help them pay their rent. So that's not one of the things that we do around here. Literally two hours later, someone's Chevron buying lottery tickets. But what if they won? They weren't going to win nothing. I watched a video yesterday, matter of fact. Guy bought a million. I wish I had this kind of money just for experiments. This is why God doesn't give me money for TikTok videos. Anybody see the guy who bought a million dollars worth of scratch-offs? A million dollars in scratch-off tickets. I mean, they were just piled up. Because he wanted to do an experiment and see how much money he would win off the million dollars worth the scratch-off tickets. He won $720,000. It was like, it's amazing! I'm like, but you lost $280,000. million dollars worth of scratch-off tickets. The winning, the most expensive ticket he had was $1,000. It's not set up for you to win. But somebody's got to win. I get it. And a lot of people got to lose. So they said, the lottery's up to someone. So I said, I should probably go buy a ticket. I said, how do you do that? Like, I don't even know how to buy a ticket. I found you could do it on an app. I'm going to do that. I'm going to win it. Sun stands still prayers. Can you imagine me with money? Woo. It'd be like redneck heaven. I'd, I'd have like the most redneck stuff. Oh my God. Listen, Sunset Hill prayers require action. It's so cliche. You know what you got to do, though? You got to pray like it de- all depends on God. But you got to work like it all depends on you. And when you do that, it happens. <laughs> Man, this year I don't want to challenge you to pray because I think you pray. I want you to start challenging you to pray big prayers, bold prayers, clear prayers, prayers that you're willing to put action behind. It is January 9th. First thing, put in your phone a reminder. I want to preach on prayer the first Sunday of next year. I want to see where you've come in a year. I don't want to preach a message on this. Next year, I want to preach a service where everybody brags on what God did in the last year because of the sun stand still prayers they prayed. Bold prayers, clear prayers, action prayers. He's the same God that Joshua served. Literally. It's been now. Listen, I'm a Georgia fan. I hope Georgia wins tomorrow night. I grew up; my dad was a Georgia fan. I love the Bulldogs about as much as I guess 
as I can love a sports team, I'm not a huge sports guy. But I've seen people legit praying night and day for the Bulldogs to win. Oh, okay. Why? That's what you're wasting your prayer life on? And yet, you don't see a move of God. Pray for your marriage, your kids, your family, your finances, your career, your goals. Pray for others. Son, stand still prayers. And watch God move. Let's pray.